and 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and 2 Timothy 4. I did not plan on doing a series on the subject of victory, but I know I've got one or two more in me that I'd like to flesh out. It, it happens that way as you get older. You know, your stories take longer, your sermons take longer. But I've learned uh, you don't have to give everything in the first load. Uh, you know, blessed is he that's short-winded, for he shall be hurt again. You can, you can spread it out, you know. You don't have to kill the people in one sitting. Uh, that's the other thing I thought of is, did I preach too long last week? No, I did okay. It was good. Second Timothy chapter 6, following in the subject matter of victory. Last week we talked about our personal victories, and today I want to talk to you about personal battles. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. Okay. Some of y'all, that's the first time you spoke in church in 10, 15 years. Okay. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called, and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. The victory is won, but you must fight to appropriate it. You must fight to experience it. You must fight to prove it. To prove that Christ is victorious, we enter into our own personal victories. Your fate is up to God, but your fight is up to you. Fight the good fight of faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7. The same author that told us and Timothy to fight the good fight at the end of his life said these words. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And finally, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This should be on your screen. Therefore, you, believer, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Yes, we are sons of God, but you are a soldier. Are you a present soldier? Are you a proven soldier? Or are you AWOL? We are to be secure in our relationship, but fighting for his glory. Fighting for his namesake. Earnestly contending for the faith. Fighting, fighting. There is a, there's, there's many metaphors for the Christian life. A journey, a voyage home, a walk with the Lord we talked about. But there's a battle. Fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All of us today are in a, a cosmic world battle. But we're also in personal battles on many fronts, various fronts, at various degrees, over different lengths of time. And you can be victorious in every one of them through Christ that strengthens you. That does not mean you have the outcome you always wanted. It means that you can be victorious internally as well as externally. Let me pray for you as I pray for myself this morning. Father, as we sit before you this morning and we open our heart, we ask you to show us, illuminate the areas where we are confused or that we don't have clarity 
or where we have given up and rolled over. Show us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that we might believe what your word says about you. That you have given us the victory through Christ our Lord. Not just over sin and death, but the world. Our adversary and our flesh. I thank you in advance, Lord, that the entrance of your word gives light and life. And if you said it, that settles it. May we live out what we say we believe. And that today being the victory that Jesus Christ wrought for us 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Last week I talked to you about Christ already being the victor. The overarching battle for your soul your salvation, the resurrection, and eternal life and purpose has already fully and forever been won by Christ the Lord. Can someone say amen? You gotta be, you ought to talk to me this morning. Numbers are too thin to be quiet. It's already won, done. Is there anything you can add to your salvation? Is there anything you can add to the redemptive work of Christ on the cross? No. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That is done. But the personal battles here below are won in the knowledge and strength of that aforementioned victory. He won the victory, but you must win the battles. You need to write that down. He won the victory, but I must win the battles. He gave Israel Canaan, but they had to fight the Canaanites. They had to drive out the Amorites. They had to drive out the Jebusites. God gives the victory, but you must fight the battles. And the battles you do not fight, you lose. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Sin will not have dominion over me. But if I don't fight that sin, that lust, that weakness... That insecurity, that idiosyncrasy, it will rule and dominate me. The flesh wars against the spirit. But the spirit is greater. But we must fight. Christ won the victory, but you must fight the battles. I want to make this statement before I start the message. And there's just four quick points this morning. As I look over my life as an adult believer, I was born again when I was a little boy, when I was nine. Um, gave my life to Christ as an adult, surrendered my life, repented of my sins, and was baptized at 24. My greatest regrets as a Christian, as I look over my shoulder, and I'm speaking not as Pastor John, but as John. My greatest regrets are rationalized sin and unrealized victories. When I allowed a root of bitterness, when I redabbled in pornography, when I allowed hate to rise up, when, when you rationalize sin, that time period, and unrealized victories, where I rolled over when I could have overcome. Those are my deepest regrets. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the victorious. May we, may we live in such a way when we get to the end, we can say like Paul, I fought a good fight. I didn't leave no 
enemies undefeated. Can I just throw this out there to you real quick? Because when you study, uh, the day before, I always study on Saturdays. It comes at you, you know, like this. You're remembering what you studied. Every enemy that Israel did not defeat haunted their children. You don't kill Goliath, he has babies and grandbabies. We are to be victorious. Not perfect, but victorious as we walk out the victory, the revelation that Christ is victorious in all things. All right, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you about the victorious. Number one, they are spiritually discerning. Victorious people are spiritually minded. They discern. They see what others don't see. They feel what others don't feel. They know what others don't know. And they'll do what others aren't willing to do. They understand the conflict. We see the conflict between God and Satan. Light and darkness. Truth and error. Temporal and eternal. I don't speak up here and online and on Facebook and on my, the website, The Clarion Sound, I don't speak up because I enjoy being shot at. Listen, pray for your pastor. Uh, just with the sickness alone, I feel like the guy in the Civil War with gray shorts and a blue shirt getting shot at from both sides. I can't win. Just by saying anything, if you say A, then everybody on B takes this. If you say B, everyone that thinks A comes this way. I understand there's a conflict, but I, I, I have to engage. See, the Christians learn that if you just be quiet, half your battle goes away. But I must stand up and say that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only through Christ. He is the only way. And when we stand on truth and when we fight for truth, when we fight for light... When we fight for God and the kingdom of God, then everyone that opposes that opposes us. And I understand that. Every soldier, you know, soldiers don't come back and say, I can't believe there's an enemy there. They shot at me. Well, that's what war is, you know. And if we're not under conflict, we might not be in the battle. We fight against our adversary, the devil principalities, power, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We fight against the spirit of this world and those under the control of it. And these adversaries, these spiritual principalities are strategic, violent, relentless, cruel, and determined. But this is where I want to emphasize today. We fight battles in our flesh, our own lusts, our predispositions, our immaturities, and our environment. The discerning understand that if I am going to overcome, let's say uh, something as simple as my grandmother was a worrier, my mom was a worrier, and people say, well, I just, I'm just like them. Well, how do you overcome that? In the power of the Spirit through revelation, you said, no, you know, people say, well, I'm born that way. Yeah, but I've been born again. And you fight that and you don't allow that disposition. I'm not going to live afraid. I'm, I'm not going to live fearful. And you fight against that. God gives victory, but he never does magic. Lord, make me uh, uh, courageous. No, he said, you be strong and courageous. Do you see the difference between make me courageous and you be strong and courageous? The fight 
It's how we prove our faith and God's faithfulness. We prove our faith and God's faithfulness. We come out of. We come into. We change the lineage and the legacy and the direction and the pace of our heritage. If it was not towards God. We, we win those personal battles. We stop doing that which pleasures our flesh and grieves our spirit. We fight. We deny ourselves. We deny ourselves the luxury of self-medicating when all we want to do is calm down. We, we deny ourselves the secret look at someone that's not our husband or not our spouse. We deny ourselves uh, the, the base pleasures that the world can enjoy so freely so that we might present our bodies holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. It's hard to preach a gospel that lines up with the scripture. It's hard to preach the Bible that lines up with God's teaching. See, the, this watered down, diluted gospel says, come to Jesus and he's going to make everything right. The true gospel is come to Jesus and die. Ain't nobody running to the altar. Come and die. Not just come and die. Come and die. Die to yourself. Die to your flesh. Die to your pleasures. Die to your plans, your desires. Giving a life on them. See, this fight, this may sound over the top, but the devil is not my biggest problem. My flesh is. And the reason the devil is not my biggest problem is he can't be but at one place at one time. And my flesh has a, has a, a great track record of just being around me all the time. And if you could kick the person in the rear end who's responsible for most of your problems, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a long time. We fight against our flesh. Now, I want to ask you, does that describe you? Are you fighting against who you once were? Or do you just kind of like, well, I've progressed a little bit. The Lord ought to be grateful. Should he? How full is the victory? Do you walk in that fullness? We should forever be entering into greater depths of the victorious Christian life. The discerning understand what is at stake and what will follow in the wake of that outcome. The discerning understand that if I live on zero to ten, if I live at a level of four of victory, my children will probably experience a one or a two. Just, just look at the types in the Bible. Abraham. How close he was to God. Isaac. Jacob. You see that there's, there's the diminished return. We, we, our victory affects those around us in positive or negative ways depending upon the level of victory. And I understand that the wake of my life will affect other people. It's a sobering thing. Well, I'm just responsible for me. No. We're responsible for one another. And I want there to be a level of perseverance in my life. I want there to be a level of striving, a level of effort, and a visible commercial of victory for those around me. And the victorious understand the reward for those who overcome. If the Lord allows, next week I may be uh, speaking on the subject of David. But I want to pull one, one little excerpt from that story of David and Goliath that is so pertinent here. 
So David goes to, to, I always found this funny. It says in the King James, he went to take cheese to his brothers. You know, there's a lot of food to take him, but it just, he's taking cheese. And I guess, you know, that's a good thing if you're hungry. So he's, he's taking his brothers food to give them sustenance, uh, sustenance and to encourage them. And he gets there and this giant of a man upwards of 10 feet tall, is standing out in front of the Israelites, and he's inviting them to come and battle him. And he said, whoever can kill me, then if you kill me, we will serve you. And if I kill you, then your armies will serve us. And David's walking up with his little, you know, radio flyer full of cheese. He walks up. He's just a little teenage boy. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And they were like, See, that's what I hate about you. You're so, you're just such, oh, you're, you aggravate me so much. Uh, you've just come to see the battle. I would submit to you, what battle? Ain't no battle. And David asked a question. Listen, he said, what will be done to the person that kills this giant? Kind of a strange question coming from a teenager. What would be done? And they said, well, the king will make him very rich. And the king will give him his daughter to be wed, which means he marries into the family. And it'll exempt his family from taxes. Now, if I'm one of David's brothers, like, go, David, go, David, get the taxes off. You know, go, David. Well, my first thing was, can I see a picture of the daughter? That would be the first thing I said, just being a fella. I mean, if you're going, guys, Amen. You get the king's daughter. Is that Bernice or is that the other one? You know, I, I want to see. But the premise is there. He said, what shall be done for the man that's victorious? I want to put this in your soul today, and I hope it eats away with a holy uh, provoking unto good works. What will be done for your family if you went out? Papa, what will be done if you went out? What if you become the granddad and they say, Daddy's a patriarch. You started out barely saved. And now you went out. What will be done? He said, well, his children are going to be blessed. His grandbabies are going to know Christ. Uh, the, the Sunday school class he teaches will be impacted. He'll receive eternal reward. What will be done? See, that was a temporal reward. But there is an eternal reward and I brought this up to let you see that the battles aren't just for fighting battles. There'll be recognition and reward for every effort given in the name of Christ. What will be done for the man or woman that wins out? You can, you know. The world and the church is full of excuses. This is just how I'm wired. Doesn't make it more holy or righteous. You know, you know how we judge people from our strengths? Anybody else? Anybody else a good Pharisee? How you judge people from your strengths? I can't stand excuses. I, I, it, 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 <laughs> I'll tell people in the church, I'll tell them, say, oh, I forgot you. And they'll look at me and say, oh, I'd much rather you think I forgot you than I would lie to you. And I know people walk away from me scratching their head going, what? And people will just make up all this stuff to try to cover up a weakness. But here's what I found. 
If I'm good at excuses, I'm rarely good at anything else. Stop making excuses about the lack of spiritual life or power or joy or victory and get in and fight for it. Stop waiting on the miracle when you have the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead beating in your chest. Change the home. Change the disposition. Change the priorities. Change the trajectory. Fight. The good fight of faith. Discern what is at stake. I look at my babies and I, I felt, I haven't even told Kelly this, I felt a couple weeks ago the Spirit of the Lord speak to me just as clear and said, Elisha is your responsibility. Teach him. Pray over him. I put my hands on his head. I asked him, I said, buddy, can I pray in the Spirit over you? He said, what's that? And I said, you know, when daddy prays in tongues, the language you don't understand, he goes, oh, yes, sir. And I pray over him. I talk to him about, I go, I, I, you know, mama's so good with the filter on TV. And I'll say, what's that? What's that? I'm, I'm fighting to protect and preserve because it's my responsibility and the reward. The reward is so tangible. Papa, you need to change some of your ultimate priorities. You need to have some hashtags that change your children's life like not on my shift. Not in this house. Let them see what's priority. That God and God's word and God's way is first and foremost. Fight. Fight. Fight is not the same as fruitfulness. Fruitfulness happens because you're connected to the vine. If I'm connected to Jesus on my branches, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, fight is not a fruit. It's a choice. Fight the good fight of faith. Guys upstairs, if you'll turn the air off, we just lost two women. We're going to do funeral services immediately following service or pray for a resurrection, one of the two. Number two, the victorious are not only spiritually discerning, they feel a deep indebtedness to God. And I knew when I prepared this message that this was going to strum the chords of someone's heart today. There is within, should be within every believer, but there is in most a feeling of, I know I can't pay you back, but I owe you. You know what I'm trying to say? I owe you, Lord. I ain't forgot what you did and when you did it and how you did it, how you brought me out of the pit and set my feet upon the rock and you, you gave me a new spirit and a new direction. I spent my early years as a believer feeling like the little boy against the backstop. And, and don't you laugh because I'll talk about you for 10 years if you do about this. Up until my junior year in high school, uh, I was the littlest boy in my grade every year. I know what you're saying. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I was the littlest boy. And I spent most of my life against the backstop, whether you were playing football or kickball or baseball. I was like, pick me. Just pick me. I'll show you. I could go now. I could play. Pick me. Just pick me. And there's a part of me 
in my early part of my Christianity and it lingers on, just pick me, Lord. Let me teach or preach or serve because I owe you so much. I'm not trying to pay you back. I'm trying to prove my gratitude. My victory is the proof of gratitude. I want to do this for you. I'm not going to let you die a brutal death and me try to skate by without a skirmish. Think about that. I'm going to let you hang naked and I can't fight clothed. I want to be standing up, standing out, walking outside the camp, bearing your reproach. I owe you. If they talk about you, Lord, they talk about me. They hate you, let them hate me. I love what David said. David said, oh, how I hate those that hate you. Well, God said to love our enemies. Oh, I love my enemies, but I don't love God's enemies. If you're my wife's enemy, you're mine. You don't have to offend me. Just, just hurt my wife or babies. You'll find out. There's an indebtedness to God. And we understand the power granted to us. And the opportunity to wield that power. These battles are the proving ground, I told you, of our faith in God's faithfulness. No partial victories. Come on. Come on, man. It's like the you know, football season finally started. Thank you, Lord. It'll help us with all these other badminton and soccer and baseball. And, you know, baseball was invented for those people who couldn't play football. We had to create a sport for that. Just thank you. Sorry. But one of the things, it's just a joke. I don't mean it. I don't mean it. These guys are just willing to go in for a tie. Well, we just tie. I love the coach that goes, tie? I'd rather go down and lose I love that about a believer. No ties. No partial victories. Well, I kind of stopped. I kind of quit. I kind of live pure. I kind of believe. I kind of trust. My grandmother used to say, if you're going to be a dog baby, be a big one. Yeah. How about this? If you're going to be a believer, how about be a victorious one? Y'all are quiet today. If you're going to be a, a, a believer, be a victorious one. No partial victory. It's written all through the Old Testament. When the, when the Israelites conquered and they were supposed to destroy the king and the people. And, and, and Saul saved the king so the king could pay obeisance to him. And Samuel said, well, bring him here. What did God say to do with that guy? He said, well, he's just stopped. And Samuel hewed him to pieces. With a sword. What's that symbolic of? No partial victories. If you're going to break out of worrying, stop worrying at all. I got one for you. Listen, the word of God is sharp. It's quick. It cuts through all the rationalizations. He said, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. No thing. You know what we do? Well, this thing is different than most things. So God understands. He said, no. If you're going to be confident, be all the way confident. If you're going to trust, all the way trust. If you're going to break out of immorality, break out of it. If you're going to have victory, have victory. Most areas of our defeat have more to do with rebellion and an unwillingness to suffer 
than it does the strength of the bondage. You know why we are not victorious in our thought life or in our relationships? I know people that, are, that love the Lord or worshipers and they just can't never live right in their relationships. They yoke with unbelievers. They give their body away to someone that's not their husband or their wife. They practice sexual immorality in all its forms because they are not willing to suffer loneliness. And they make excuses. The Bible says that he that uh, is unwilling to suffer or he that is willing to suffer is free from sin. He breaks free. That's how you get out. You suffer. You deny yourself. Personal, like, let's say you're the type of person that has to say you're into the story. You know, you just got to have the last word or argumentative or cuss someone or whatever. The only way to win that, it's not magic. God doesn't go, you're now sweet. That's not how it works. It's this person that you could dress down so quickly and you've already got two or three things you could say and you have the opportunity to embarrass them in front of everybody and you go, and you walk away. I'd love to say when you walk away, the angels go, you're great, you're a great person. No, your flesh goes, ah, oh, I could have, oh, we had them. We, we could have got them. The, you deny yourself. When a beautiful girl who's godly lives lonely because she won't lower her standard to carnal men, you suffer. When everyone goes to lunch and they don't invite you because your Bible is on your desk, you suffer. Do you know that you are one willingness to suffer away from the greatest victory potentially in your life? I owe him. If he'll die for me, surely I can live for him. Number three, the victorious will settle for nothing less. They are fully clothed and secure in the armor of God. They are prepared and willing to suffer. They're willing to limp. They're willing to hurt and be scarred. They are willing to be hated, despised, misunderstood, and mocked. They are unwilling to make excuses or rationalize away any defeat. Pursuing every opportunity afforded to them to bring great glory to God through their life. I want to say it again. My greatest regrets in life are rationalized sin and unrealized victories. When you are determined not to settle for anything less. Just, let's just say you put on your bathroom mirror. Absolute victory. And when you can with integrity look in the mirror and say, through Christ the Lord, I have absolute victory here. Then you go to the next battleground. And then you go to the next battleground. Listen to your pastor. If overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. But you can overcome everything and anything. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith in God. Years ago, probably, oh shoot, four or five times in the last 20 years, I preached a sermon on the subject of Shamgar. How, do you remember, how many remember that? Yeah. The sermon, This Is My Road. 
Let me just read these verses to you. The, the fourth point, by the way, victorious people are everyday people. I love how the Bible shows us everyday, average, normal people who have incredible victories. Because, see, we like to say, well, I'm no Apostle Paul. I'm no Simon Peter. Are you a Shamgar? Just a farmer. And here's what it says about Shamgar. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. And it says in Judges 3 that after him was Shamgar, which slew, slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Some men in the Bible get a whole chapter. Some get books written after them. Hey, y'all, pay attention. Some of, some of them get books written after them, and others only get two verses. Shamgar. In the days of Shamgar, the highways were unoccupied. And the travelers walked the byways. And in the days of Shamgar, he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Brooke, if you would come up, please. An ox goad was a wooden instrument, four to six foot, a round wooden tube, uh, not tube, solid piece of wood. And on one end was a spade, and the other end was a point, a metal point, an iron point. So when you're plowing with the oxen, if mud got caked in the wheels, in the divots of the wheels, you could take that spade and get the mud out. And if the oxen says, you know what, I'm tired of walking here. You poke him with that point. He says, you know what, I think I'm going to get moving here. And he start back up, you know, walking again. So here's Shamgar watching the Israelites not use those roads a road that you can make good time on a road that God had given them and see there are many roads in your life that God has given you roads of peace roads of, of absolute victory of trust of fruitfulness and faithfulness and I imagine the Israelites when they'd be on the road and here come the Philistines and the daddy would throw his children off to the side and lay on top of them and go, shh, shh, the Philistines, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And the Philistines walk down the road while you live on by roads and, and in alleys and little ditches. And one day, this old plowman had enough. Whether he was one of the ones that jumped off the road or he's walking through thicket with his family and there's an unused road up there in the promised land. He just had enough. And he made a decision. He said, I'd rather die on the road today than live one more day on a back road. So here comes old Shamgar. I, I picture him. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but he's just an old farmer. So I probably... 5'11", 5'12", pop belly. Hey, hey. Anyway, Shamgar uh, got his long ox goat and he's walking up the road. And here comes Philistines. I believe it happened on the road. And I can tell you why. If he did one at a time, the Philistines would have tried to come to his house and kill him retribution. And the only two verses that mention him was the roads were unoccupied and that he slew 600. So my opinion was it happened on the road. We'll see. But I can imagine if this is the way it went down. That he's dragging his little ox goat up the street 
And here come the Philistines, full armor. And they said, is that that old farmer, Shamgar? They get close to each other and they got their whole battalion. Shamgar, I'm going to give you five seconds to get off this road. He said, not today. I don't know which end he hit him with first. But either end's a bad day. And he took one end of that ox goad. One fell. Notice the, 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 the precedence, the, uh, the, the hidden meanings in this. They just kept coming. Look at the number of his enemies and your adversaries. Notice their relentless attack. Notice their confidence. Notice their history of domination and intimidation. And he just kept swinging and killing and killing. I'm thinking, and this is just how I'm wired. I remember when I first preached on this subject. Somewhere around number 222 or 23. Don't you think one of the Philistines says, you know, Shamgar. <laughs> they just kept coming and kept coming. This is the evidence of our adversary's ignorance. He thinks that the Spirit of God in us is going to dissipate. He thinks that somehow the God that began the good work is not going to finish it. And he keeps coming and keeps coming. Shamgar goes through 600 soldiers with an ox goat. Just a farmer's tool. See, it's not the iron in your hand. It's the iron in your soul that gives you the victory. So, if you'll give me just a a moment more. If this happened all at once, I can imagine him going home. If you had one hand-to-hand combat to the death, you're covered in blood. What do you think he looked like if he killed 600 men splattered? With this ox goat. He is covered in blood. He gets home. The door opens for him. Because if you kill 600 men. That took a while. You know he's late for supper. You know. Uh, And he goes to open the door. And it opens for him. And his wife sees him. She just screams. He goes. No, 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 baby. baby. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. I want you to go get everybody. And all the surrounding village. Go get them. Tell them to come here. So he goes and gets in his shower, gets all the blood off, he comes out. Everyone's gathered around Shamgar's house. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people. He said, uh, I'm not used to, is this on? I'm not used to, I'm not one to talk a lot. So I just want to tell y'all that the roads are open. What? Roads are open. One man's victory. Now children play on the roads that they used to be scared of. Victorious. And if he had kids like yours and grandkids, you know, a year or two later, they're selling uh, glimpses of the great Shamgar for a quarter you know, come see the great Shamgar. So Shamgar's sitting in his little recliner with his iced tea on his belly, you know. And, and the little boys are looking in the wind. He goes, that's him? Just that regular guy? How could he 
kill 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And the little boy says, well, daddy used to always say that God will give you every highway you're willing to die on. Believer, it's time to be victorious. All the way victorious through Christ that strengthens you. Leaving a legacy of freedom to all who would follow you. On your way in, we had communion at the tables. Did everybody get theirs? Did you? If you need to be served, would you just lift your hand up? Just hold it up. Could we have a couple of ushers get this to them, please? Just hold your hand up for just a moment. Granddaddy, you get that one of those and serve, please. Just hold your hand up and they're coming to serve you. Church family, would you stand with us this morning? Nick, this last week I got to speak at Celebrate Recovery in one of Robbins. My buddy Terry Theus uh, is doing a wonderful job there. They had about 350 people there uh, telling about the God of deliverance. And they had a part in their service where um, they talked about getting a 30-day coin or a 60-day coin or something. And it dawned on me that I, I was never part of a recovery program, but I am 36 years sober. 30, I said, y'all got a 36-year chip, pin, button, coin. Pastor John, how'd you do that? I just walked out. I figures if he was God enough to save, you, save me, he was God enough to free me. Victory is yours. Don't lose heart. Don't stop short. Don't lay down. Fight. And God will give you every road that you're willing to down. This is our victory. You know that. And the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Let's break and take together. And in that same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took wine and he poured it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood, which was shed for you. As often as you do this, remember me. It is this blood that gives us access. It is this blood that purchases our salvation. It is this blood that makes possible the Holy Spirit being given to us. The empowerment of God. And that gives us access to all that Christ is. I'm not looking for hype. I'm just asking you. Is he halfway victorious or all the way victorious? Then so should we be. Let's take together.
Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Mama, I'm not asking you today, do you love? I'm asking you, do you fight? Papa, I'm not asking you a provider. I'm asking you, do you fight? Are you a warrior? Fight the good fight of faith. Absolute victory for a perfect Savior. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May you walk in the fullness of God for His glory, for your testimony, and for all who are watching you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.